Welcome to the Simple is the New Smart podcast. I'm Zara Fagan, PhD, author of Minimalist Homeschooling and the creator of the Simple is the New Smart membership. And this is the place where we talk about how less really is more and how simple really is the new smart. This is the place for any homeschooler who wants to trade stress, exhaustion, overwhelm, and self-doubt for peace, clarity, confidence, and a sense of true abundance. It turns out that transforming our mindset really can transform our homeschools and our lives. We'll talk tips and strategies, stories and perspective, and interview people who have lessons to teach us. And I am just so happy that you're here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, how about today we dive into the ideas of independent learning, self-directed learning, and free time in our homeschools. And I find that these are really, really great components of a minimalist homeschool because of the many, many benefits that they offer our children while also taking some of the pressure off of us parent teachers. So let's talk about what they are. Let's talk about the benefits. Let's talk about how to start implementing them. Okay, are you ready? So first of all, independent learning is often referring to a structured academic pursuit that children can do themselves. While they may need some guidance or they may have questions that need to be answered, the teacher-parent is almost entirely hands-off during independent learning. In many cases, independent work is assigned by the parent or planned by the student, so there's some forethought here. It can follow very traditional subjects and learning styles, although it may not always. So independent learning, a good example of that that you would see every day in any sort of homeschool is where children are given sort of a checklist of things that they need to get done during the day on their own, and they do it. Maybe it's a series of textbooks or workbooks or assignments or a research project that is assigned to them that they will do largely independently. And while they may have questions every once in a while, for the most part, it's very hands-off for the teacher-parent. Then there's self-directed learning, which is similar, but it usually refers to pursuits that the child chooses. So it a the child will choose what they're interested in. Oftentimes it's a passion. It could just be an interest. It may not last very long. It may be something that they pursue for years. But the point is, is that it's child-led. And then the child also accomplishes as much on his or her own as possible. So in this case, there may be planning in advance, right? So the child and the parent may be discussing what they're interested in. They may come up with some goals, some plans, and the teacher may or may not be more or less hands-off. It depends on the age of the child and it depends on what the child wants to accomplish. But it's still a very different type of parent-teacher relationship, and I'll get into that a little bit later. Then there's free time. And so free time is synonymous with an idea of unstructured time. There is no agenda and a person can choose from one day to the next how they'll use that time. So whereas you may have a self-directed project or a child-led project going on and you set aside one or two hours to work on this specific project at a certain time, with free time, it's more like you just have one, two, three hours all day of just doing sort of whatever you want for that day, right? So it's completely unstructured. 
This time often leads to self-directed learning, right? So during this time, children are often pursuing their own interests or their own passions, and parents may or may not be helping out with those, right? But it can be a precursor to self-directed education. So if you want something that's really informal, but you like what you hear coming up about the benefits of self-directed learning, then maybe think of free time as that precursor If you're not sure what self-directed learning is or whether any of it is already happening with your child, just give them a chunk of free time and give it regularly. Then see what your child does with that time. See the benefits of what they do with that time. Are they pursuing interests? Are they challenging themselves? Are they building skills, whether those be personal skills or manual skills or academic skills, professional skills, creative skills? Are they creating? Are they imagining? Because often just by being an objective observer of free time, we start to see the immense value of not only free time, but of self-directed learning as well. And this is a really important concept when we're talking about minimalist homeschooling. And the reason I'm bringing this up sort of early on in this podcast series. And the reason that I want to devote an entire podcast to these concepts is not only does it take the pressure off of our lesson planning and the requirements for the parent teacher to sort of be on task as a teacher, but also I want you to see that free time has a value. It's not just about doing less so that mom doesn't go insane. It's not just about doing less so that our kids don't hate school. It's that there actually is a value to this free time. It's not just leftover time. It's not just sort of wasted time either. Self-directed learning in and of itself, free time in and of itself, independent learning in and of itself, It's not just a value for keeping the mom sane, but it also has its own inherent value and a lot of it. So self-directed learning cannot happen without time for it to happen. So as I talk today more about the benefits, if you think you'd like more self-directed time for your homeschoolers, commit first and foremost simply to more time for them. So I'm bringing up all three here, independent learning, self-directed learning, and free time, because they all share many benefits, and I'm going to get into those. And we as parent teachers can be more intentional about including any or all of these. So the three different options mean that we can incorporate these benefits into our homes and homeschools on a few different levels. There's a sort of, you know, flavor for everyone. There's, it's not one size fits all, but you have options here. So no matter what type of homeschooler you are, I always say start with where you're most comfortable. So perhaps when I'm done with my discussion, you may want to turn your homeschool to 100% self-directed learning, which is also called unschooling. Yes, I just threw that in there. So we're sort of getting on down the spectrum toward unschooling. Or perhaps you'll want to be more intentional about independent learning or free time. And any of those choices can benefit our children in amazing ways. So in all of these options, teachers are predominantly teaching children how to learn. So you can already see the value right there. And then we're giving them the opportunity to do the learning themselves. So we're not only teaching them something, we're then letting them do it right? And so often the specific content is secondary to the process itself. 
So I'm going to give you a couple of examples here. So for example, we have maker space in our home when our children are young. We give them access to different craft supplies, maybe ribbons, maybe popsicle sticks, buttons, recyclable materials, toilet paper rolls, construction paper, those sorts of things. We have what we call a craft cabinet. You can call it a maker space, whatever you'd like. And we let our children just use it, right? There's no agenda. There's no here you're going to make an alligator out of this paper towel roll, right? They get to make whatever they want. And if they ask for inspiration, then we'll go find inspiration ourselves. If they are struggling to get a button to stay on their toilet paper roll, we can troubleshoot how to do that together right? And then that evolves, right? So I'm not so impressed with the outcome there, right? Like, yes, they make adorable, cute things. They have creative ideas, but the outcome, the piece of art, the craft, the invention that they make afterwards is not what's so valuable to them. But the value lies in the process of getting to that point of testing things out, experimenting with it, getting a little creative, wanting to solve problems, those sorts of things, right? And as they get older, I have one child who taught himself how to be a catcher for his baseball team. I don't care so much that he's a catcher, right? I don't expect him to go play for the major leagues, right? What I'm interested in is him taking the time to seek out the resources, then having the self-discipline to go out and run the drills himself. He set up drills in our garage and he challenged himself to practice every single day. These are the sorts of skills that we are encouraging with the self-directed learning, right? He found the best YouTube videos. He tried this. He tried that. He found mentors on YouTube that he really liked. Then he looked at other of their videos. And of course, this is all very supervised on YouTube. And then I have another son who has taught himself all about aerospace engineering. So that's a lot of book learning. He got every book he could out of the library for years. And then it turned into him getting really involved with remote control airplanes and building his own remote control airplanes. So again, I'm not that thrilled that he's building remote control airplanes, although they're really cool, right? And I really love watching my other son play catcher. And I really love the creations that my kids make as when they're younger. But the point here is that the outcome is not the goal for their education. I don't want to be able to put into their portfolio, my son can catch. I don't want to be able to necessarily put in their portfolio, my son made an RC airplane. Instead, I'm looking here at the process of them learning how to learn those things. So those are just some examples. So you can really wrap your head around it and you can fit in anything. Kids teaching themselves how to dance, kids teaching themselves all sorts of things, devouring every book on a topic, right? When we're talking about independent learning, free time, self-directed learning, it's important to remember that in all of these cases, you're learning skills more often from their parents than they're learning facts. They're learning how to do the research. They're learning how to find the books in the library. They're learning how to get the button to stay on the toilet paper roll, right? They're learning research skills. They're learning persistence. They're learning problem solving. They're learning creativity. They're learning communication. These are not on most academic checklists, right? So they're basically learning how to do all sorts of things that are required to get them to their goals, 
That's the sort of learning that is happening in addition to some academic learning, right? So in addition to persistence and self-discipline and research skills, they're also often learning about a topic. So it wouldn't be terrible for my son to tell someone in an academic world, hey, I built my own RC airplane because there they're thinking, oh, he understands electrical circuits. He understands the physics of it. And so there is, there's both here. And that's one of the things that makes it so beautiful, guys. So the benefits of independent learning, free time, self-directed learning are therefore huge. While a textbook or a lecture can introduce our children to how to use the internet for research, or they can learn how to speak to experts on a topic or play an instrument or play a sport, the experience of actually working toward a goal independently offers infinitely more understanding of not only that topic, but how to pursue a topic right? So the idea here is that writing the letter to the potential mentor, something that's really worthwhile to the child, will be more valuable to that child than a workbook that had taught them how to write a professional letter. Are you following? So here are nine reasons why this experience is so valuable. So number one, children own the knowledge. It sticks better. It's theirs, especially if this is not something that's assigned by someone else. Even when they are independent learning something that's assigned to them and they're doing it on their own, they are more engaged because it requires more action from them. And so they are more likely to remember it better, right? Because it's theirs as opposed to receiving it passively. But that goes to another level now when we're talking about self-directed learning and free time because now they're motivated, right? So that whole analogy of writing the letter to a mentor who could help them, that's meaningful to them, right? And in in minimalist homeschooling, we're always talking about, let's make an education meaningful. Let's make it valuable. And so if that's what we want our children to sort of leave this journey with, feeling like an education is meaningful, learning stuff is valuable, then really self-directed learning is one of our best tools for accomplishing that. Not only can we model it and what we choose for them to do, but we can also give them the reins and show them how fulfilling it can be, right? So number two, children learn how to learn. I already really went into this, right? They learn resourcefulness and they learn flexibility. They learn how to learn. And so number three, I alluded to this already, but parent teachers are sort of off the hook. It's a different relationship now with our students. So our children's education is no longer contingent upon our time and our effort and whether we planned everything properly, whether we chose the right things, right? It doesn't matter how much we put into it daily. It matters far more how much our children put into it daily. And so while all of these, the independent learning, the free time, the self-directed learning, they're going to work best when our children have mentors available to facilitate introductions, to proofread their communications, to make suggestions. It is a very different relationship from a traditional school teacher or even being a tutor. So we spend less time sort of spoon feeding bites of knowledge to our children and more time supporting their pursuits. So it's a different kind of work. There are few hours lecturing, fewer hours lesson planning, But we have to get sort of comfortable with being uncomfortable in other ways. 
So now with self-directed learning or even free time, we're going to be devoting more hours to driving to get resources or supplies or buying those off of Amazon. We're going to spend more time listening and discussing their ideas and their plans. We're going to spend more time teaching skills like how to write a good email or how to use a saw, things like that, that they need to reach their goal. So it's a very different relationship and it's more spontaneous on our part. There's less planning for us and it's we have to be more flexible as parent teachers, but it also lets us off the hook because now the time that we're spending is not planning and lecturing. It's following our children's lead, right? So they're they're letting us off the hook. We don't have to do all the planning and preparing. They're going to tell us what they need, right? Number four, free time, independent learning, less so independent learning, but self-directed learning for sure is more motivating for them and for us, especially in the cases of free time and self-directed learning. Our children want to learn and to do certain things. And I say this a lot in minimalist homeschooling. Our goal is not to fill up our child's entire day. And if you had someone who took up all of your time with things that you didn't think was meaningful, you would get a little resentful. And so we can't blame our children if we fill up their entire day with things that aren't necessarily meaningful to them, even though we see the value in it, the likelihood of them getting a little resentful is is high, right? And so when we offer them free time or self-directed learning, our children want to learn and do those things. And so there's no negotiating, there's no moaning, there's no procrastinating, there's no reluctance. If a child chooses to do something, then we also let them unchoose to do it also. So the experience that they've had up until their point, so let's say my son said he wanted to build RC planes, but he got to a point where then it was boring for him and he failed to follow through, it doesn't mean that all the time he spent prior to that point is wasted because the process is what was valuable, right? The amount that he learned, the the researching skills that he learned, the troubleshooting skills that he learned up until that point are valuable, arguably more valuable than the outcome itself. So we let our kids unchoose to do these things they've chosen as well. And it creates a truly motivating atmosphere for our kids. Okay, number five, self-directed learning, independent learning, free time. It all encourages our children to be well-rounded. So book smarts are often then put into practical application with the things that our children have to figure out how to do independently or choose to do independently. So when our children want to go to the next level, as in self-directed learning, they rarely stop at reading about a topic. So they may start with book smarts. If they're really interested in a topic, they may start with the books. They may start with the reading about it. Maybe they'll start with the YouTube channels, right? They get the, the sort of knowledge. Often then they move on to trying it themselves. Then they they may read a ton of literature and then they try writing. Then they try designing. Then they try building. Then they try practicing. And if they're fascinated with history, they may go from reading all the books on a topic to coming up with ideas for writing their own books from a different perspective or creating history projects or even teaching the topic to other people. 
And so music, art, science, horse riding, survival in the wild, you choose any subject that a child loves and you'll find that they first want to learn about it. And then at some point, they also want to secondarily do it. It's the doing part that creates a competent and well-rounded adult. So we don't stifle them at just book smarts. We let them evolve until these well-rounded human beings. So number six, we instill a lifetime of learning. Instead of an education, in air quotes there, being something that's associated with dry, required book work or assignments, a child's education becomes a part of them. Instead of being something they simply have to do, and sometimes they suffer through, it becomes a useful tool that helps them be and do the things that they want most. So now learning has a value to them. And that's how we instill this love of learning and a lifetime of learning. Because whenever from then on they find a new interest or a new challenge, they will be inspired to learn. They will seek the knowledge. They will seek the advice. They will seek the resources. They will try it. They will troubleshoot it. They will experiment with it, right? So learning truly becomes a part of their life rather than a chore, right? And in this case, I'm talking a lot about free time and self-directed learning here. Number seven, we raise adults who are more likely to be happy. And this goes with basically we're empowering them. Many of the things I'm describing here are important traits for anyone who wants to live an abundant life. We don't feel trapped. People who feel capable of learning anything that they need to know are less likely to have that sort of helpless feeling in the future. They are empowered. Number eight, we support personal responsibility, taking initiative and self-discipline. And I do not know any great curriculum for teaching our kids how to persevere, teaching our kids how to take initiative, teaching our kids how to practice, how to have self-discipline, how to take responsibility for something that works or doesn't work. This is really the key way that my children and my homeschool learn these sorts of traits. In the cases of self-directed learning and free time, the outcome is directly related to the child's actions because we as parent teachers are stepping back, right? They need to ask us for help when they want help. I tell my kids, that's the price you pay. If you want someone to help you, you have to ask, right? And many people will give it free for just the cost of asking. And so they know that whatever, however they succeed or fail, if it works, if it doesn't work, it's directly correlated to their actions. That's personal responsibility, right? They either do the work and they're either persistent in order to achieve the desired outcome or they don't. And parent teachers offer, we offer enough support to keep them from feeling that their pursuit is impossible, but we don't do the work for them right? Unless it's dangerous or unsafe, right? If you have a child who's not yet ready to use a saw, sure, cut the wood for them. But as they get older, they become more and more self-sufficient, right? So we don't prevent the failures when we're doing this. When they are self-directed learning or they have free time, we're not preventing them from failing. We help them rebound, right? And I want to make that really clear because this is a really valuable component of self-directed learning and free time. We don't prevent their failures, but we help them rebound. And a book that's really great at explaining this is The Self-Driven Child. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, along with some other books that you can read on these topics to learn more. So number nine, they learn facts and knowledge about what we would call academic topics, depending on their interests. 
I already talked about this. It's not just that they're experimenting and they're trying things and that they're being creative, but oftentimes they have to learn what would be considered traditional, academic, rigorous knowledge base in order to accomplish what they want, right? Often they're interested in something that somebody would categorize as an academic subject. So that's number nine. They're still learning their facts. They're still getting this sort of academic knowledge base, right? So all in all, independent learning, free time, self-directed learning, it's a mindset shift away from checklist academics, often towards project-based learning, where they are choosing a sort of bigger project and project-based thinking, right? So it doesn't have to be all or nothing in your school. You can incorporate independent learning, free time, and or self-directed learning alongside academic or formal instruction. And each family can decide what proportion of each of these components best suit their own homeschool. So many families will incorporate more or less maybe independent learning or more or less self-directed learning or more or less free time during specific seasons of their family. Maybe you've had a new baby. Maybe there's a chronic illness in the home or this evolves as their journey evolves, as their homeschool evolves. So this isn't an either or. And I think a lot of times people look at homeschooling and they think, oh, I could never do that because it feels like you're diving into the deep end without a life jacket. You feel like you have to scrap everything you've ever known about education and become an unschooler. And I'm here to tell you that you don't. You can start at the shallow end, guys. You can start at the shallow end and go as deep as you'd like. And no matter how deep you go, all of it is going to have some benefit to your homeschool, right? So you can exist sort of with one foot in both worlds, right? You can be a formal academic homeschooler, but you can also have self-directed learning. You can also offer free time, right? Your job is to decide what level is most comfortable for you and offers the most value to your homeschool. Okay, so if you're thinking this is all great, Sarah, I love this, I you've sold me on it, I definitely want to give my children some free time, I definitely want them to take the initiative, I want to see them blossom in their own interests, those sorts of things. Let me start right now with just three things you can do right now to start moving your homeschool in that direction. I am going to go much deeper into this in the exclusive podcast that's available in the Simple is the New Smart membership. So if you really want practical tips on how you can implement this sort of ideal into your homeschool, then I want to encourage you to come join us in the Simple as a New Smart membership. Grab that podcast and join the conversation about how people are putting this into practice in their homeschool. Okay, but number one, what you can do right now is consider exactly what your children could learn independently. So let's start with independent learning. Make the process just as valuable, perhaps even more so than the outcome right? So what already could your children learn independently? And even before kids can read independently, I still have my children work independently. So you can leave your children to do things solo more and more as they get older, but even before they can read, they can play independently. They can explore arts and crafts independently. I give you the example of the maker space. And this is a precursor to them 
Then once they know how to read, doing assignments independently, choosing subjects that they would like to learn independently, doing research projects independently, figuring out where they went wrong independently, right? And so start thinking now, and of course, the amount of time our children work independently starts out very small when they're younger, right? And then it progressively gets more and more and more. But if you want your child to be an independent learner at any stage, start where you are. Wherever you are, give your child some independent work at whatever level is comfortable to them and to you and build from there. Okay. During this time, explain which things you expect your children to be able to do independently. Explain how much access they will have to you for troubleshooting and questions. And this can be in the form of formal schoolwork, right? So your independent work can be formal schoolwork, or it can be you telling them, I want you to pursue your self-chosen interests. I want you to spend this much time pursuing that, learning more about it. Either way, everyone benefits. Number two, you can read up on the topic. I have a list of books dedicated to this topic in the show notes. Specifically, you want to look at John Holt's books. He's sort of the father of unschooling. You're going to want to look at Blake Bull's book. He's a more contemporary writer on the subject of unschooling. And number three, work on cultivating a growth mindset. This is really critical to self-directed learning. And I think you can cultivate a growth mindset in yourself as a parent teacher so that you're better at encouraging it in your children. And then you can also help your children develop a growth mindset so that they will be more resilient, more motivated, more persistent in their self-directed learning pursuits. And so in his book, The Art of Self-Directed Learning, Blake Bowles says this about folks with a growth mindset. They're people who, by conscious choice, see themselves as forever capable of learning, growing, and positively changing. As a result, these growth mindset people, setbacks don't set them back right? So I'll link to the Big Life Journal, which I think is the best resource for children and teens to cultivate sort of a mental resilience that self-learning requires. Okay, so there are so many other ways to support self-directed and independent learning in your home. I hope that I mentioned right at the beginning of this, I hope that you will just value free time for a minute. And if you don't, carve out some free time. See what your children do with it. And if you are at all convinced that this is a way you want your homeschool to go, not only to preserve your sanity as a parent teacher and to make life a little bit simpler for you, but also to make your homeschool much more valuable, right? Because that's all what what we're about. We want to gain more and do less, right? So this is truly one of those secret weapons for gaining more in your homeschool and doing less as a parent teacher. So that's what I have for you guys today. I can't wait to hear. Please leave a review and let me know what you think of the podcast. Recommend this to your friends. And until I talk to you again, I am wishing you all the simple things. Bye-bye. Did you know that you can get exclusive bonus episodes of the Simple as a New Smart podcast, your specific questions answered, a vault of tutorials on minimalist homeschooling, and more? That's right. Regardless of where you are in your homeschool journey or what level of support you're looking for, there's something for everyone in the Simple is the New Smart monthly membership. 
Check it out at resources.zaraphd.com forward slash simple dash is dash the dash new dash smart. And I'll see you there. Bye-bye.